The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hannah Daly, congratulations on the writing of your book. Um, But I do want to ask you, uh, how on earth does one write a book when one cannot read or write? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, Good question. So I have severe dyslexia and that affects my reading and dyspraxia that affects my ability to write. So my education has been very non-conventional. So I have always used readers and scribes or audio books um, or voice pods to read and write, I suppose, substitute. So that's exactly what I did when I wrote the book. You're, you're I a pediatric occupational <laughs> therapist. You have both a degree and a master's. Like, yeah. let's, let's start at the start. We know what dyslexia is, or at least we think we do. It's, it's word blindness. Yeah. Dyspraxia is kind of, you'd find it extremely difficult to pick up a pen, for example. Or, or, yeah, it's that a mo- kind of or walk. Yeah, it's the motor coordination. So that means like gross motor, which is like moving, climbing, jumping. So I would have fallen over a lot, banged my head. Um, and just a bit more clumsy is the word they used to describe it as clumsy child syndrome, you know, and these kind of terminologies. And then the dyspraxia is my precision. So how I use, as you said, use a pencil or knives and forks or tie my shoelaces or do the buttons that impacts me th- that way. But it also has an impact on my social interaction. Um, being able to be not in other people's spaces and not kind of that executive functioning. So how you know what you're going to do next and sequence things, that's affected for a child or a person with dyspraxia. Yeah. So that's a massive thing too. And then the social cues we miss sometimes. And you also have sensory processing disorder. <laughs> I do, just to make it fun. Be- being um, Hannah sounds difficult, Hannah. I know no different. No, it is challenging. And the biggest challenge is trying to interact with a system or society that's very read-write, that doesn't get why noises or bright lights or crowded environments might be stressful for someone and that it can have a massive impact, which may lead in a, in a, a meltdown or, you know, a shutting off kind of reaction. And that's really hard to, for people to grasp. So if you're trying to learn in a busy school environment or in a university and there's people talking, munching their smell, there's bright lights there's a noise it's it feels like you're just having to work so hard to block all of these different things out and then take all the information in because i can't go home and read it um you know i have to get someone to read it to me so it's massively challenging but equally i suppose the reason i wrote the story is because if little adaptations are made if people bend the system to allow other people like me who are neurodiverse and to access it you can actually be successful and happy um, and achieve what you want to achieve. But it shouldn't be this hard. No, well, I'm thinking of not just school, but I'm thinking of college where one has to do assignments and write essays and go through reading lists. Like, how did you deal with all of that? Well, first time I did my first degree was actually in performing arts and I moved over to London at the age of 18, having had like being very naive and being quite scaffolded. Um, And I didn't even realise that there was, we were meant to have read text. My support funding didn't come because even though it does transfer from Ireland to the UK, there's a massive delay because of the bureaucracy component of it. So I literally... Um, met a lovely lady in the 99p store who ended up reading and writing and fighting for me before I could um, get any access to proper formal support in the university. So I was just really lucky um, that I had that I had those connections. Um, but equally, like I hate to think, had I not gone to the 99p store that day to meet 
you know, I bumped into that lady, I wouldn't be where I am today, potentially. Of all places. <laughs> yeah, an Irish, a lovely Irish girl who's now living in Cork, actually, um, and who's an educational psychologist now. But it's just funny how life kind of goes in a cyclical way. But even, even trying to get a job, like just like a job in a shop, I couldn't open a bank account when I was over there because I couldn't fill in the forms. And even though I get the forms and bring them home in advance, they gave me the wrong form. And then I'm back being handed a new form in the bank. You know, and then my my company I'm working for say, if you don't get a bank account, we're going to have to let you go because we can't pay you. Do you know what I mean? It's you kind of don't you take these things for granted every day. A lot of people do mm. the read write bit. Yeah. Um, that, but, that, that, yeah. That's a good point, uh, Hannah. Is the the world is built and designed for people who can read write and sense things the same as the rest of us we, we, we're kind of built in in a neurotypical world are we not yeah i think it is and this is where and this is what i want to try and break down some of these barriers and kind of say let neurotypical people be at the table too let let us value everybody so i use the analogy of a shape sorter that maybe most people who are neurotypical might be um circles um and I'm a triangle and there could be other shapes. If you're forcing someone who's neurodiverse into a shape like a circle, you either leave them out because they don't fit in or you shove them enough that when they get in, they're broken and then they have mental health issues or low self-esteem or, you know, because it, it has a massive impact trying to adapt yourself to fit in to the normal ways. And we all need, I love rules more than anyone. <laughs> you know, rules are great, but we need rules that are fair um, and we need space for everyone. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, in it, and we have moved on an awful lot since I was a little girl in school. Like I, I had experienced horrendous bullying um, and I I went to five different schools chasing an education and there's still kids out there that are chasing an education. They haven't quite found the right um, accommodations or the right environment, but it shouldn't be that hard. And I suppose now at least I have the reason I went back and did a master's in occupational therapy and a postgrad in sensory integration was to really understand the science behind it, because my I, I believe the lived experience is really important. But so is the science behind it and the research and the evidence and using them together is really powerful. How many degrees do you actually have now? I have a degree in performing arts, I have an MSc in occupational therapy and I have a postgrad cert in um, sensory integration. So I guess I went to university three times <laughs> for my troubles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And each time I went, I still had to have the same fights trying yeah, to get reasonable accommodation. You had to start with the basics every time because no matter yeah. how many degrees you, you pile on, you still can't read. Yeah. Well, I still can't read, but also the system doesn't believe me when I say, okay, this is how I work best with readers and scribes. They say, ah, oh, technology is fantastic. Here you go. And it's not from lack of wanting to read. I went to a special reading school. I went to like a specialist neuropsychologist. I've done all the things that are meant to, in a bracket, fix or, you know, cure this dyslexia. It's not, it's just for some people, it just isn't. And it's not because I have a low IQ. I, you know, it's not any of these misconceptions. It's just because my brain is programmed differently and this is how it is. And I've stopped fighting that and I've stopped being angry about it. And I've moved to a place where I know what I need to, to be successful. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other people out there like me who, and there's some people, you know, maybe mild dyslexia or other things and they do the programs and it works and then, you know, or they use glasses and it's fantastic. But there's also people like me that it doesn't work for. Yeah. And I that's ask, okay. Can I ask a personal question, Hannah? And I don't wish to be intrusive here now, but this is to kind of get a reflection for a listener who doesn't quite get it and for myself who doesn't quite get it. So I'm surrounded here by scripts, newspaper articles, things that need to be 
read. If I hand you a basic newspaper article, what do you see when you open your eyes? I would probably look and see if there's any pictures to tell me what it's about. I might look to see what, you know, if there are symbols. So like, you know, like let's say Marks and Spencer's. I know an M&S. I'm looking for M&S. So I'm, de- I'm trying to guess. I'm, it's like if, there, if I handed you something that was like a foreign language and said there, what's that mean? That's probably to look a very good analogy. The words are there, but they don't yeah. mean anything to you. They don't mean anything, but also it makes me feel sick. The words kind of move. So I've got like like visual upset, like very strong visual system. So. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If the environment is too busy, it makes me feel like I'm getting motion sickness. I see. So it's kind of a double assault. Um, and then, like, so, but I learn things off. So some, like, I had a, it's a joke. My I had a boyfriend when I was in uh, secondary school, and he used to help me with like uh, my parents probably should have been paying him grind like lessons for grinds. He basically would decode things for me, and once I had it, I had it. But that doesn't mean that I'm you know reading. So likewise, if I'm doing assessments, I know all the forms, I know where all the bits are. I'm not reading. I just memorizing. I just yeah. know where everything is. Do you have a spectacular memory? There, Oh, amazing memory. Hence why I wrote the book. People are like, how do you remember how you felt and what what was the smells and what were the, you know, the cost of a can of Coke? And it's like, oh, because I just remember everything. Yeah. Um, and that's great too, but like it's, but I've had to learn how to do that. Yes. Um, and it's very tiring. So that's why when I go to bed at night, I can't just shut my brain off. Like some people just go straight to sleep. My brain's processing. My brain's literally like taking the footage from the day and storing mm. it and decoding it. Um, but the reading component, no, it's like if I go into a restaurant and I need to, I want, I know I like chicken. So I look for something with the word C and then I say, will you read this to me? Um, so, so many people have had to read for me in my life, um, even just simple things like the post office. If I say, can you write this for me? Can you, can you do this with me? Um, or I print things out in advance and sellotape them on. But absolutely, like the, the written text is not accessible. You go into the hospital and there's a sign saying take a, a ticket. But if I don't see other people taking a ticket, I'm sitting down there waiting. And you once said, oh, did you not see the sign? Oh, do you know what I mean? It's okay. Yeah. So this happens to me all the time. Or like, I have to ask, you know, like, what's that say? If something unexpected happens or if you change a system. So I had a hospital appointment, another one, and I always look for the top, which is the date and the time and the address, whatever. So I know, okay, 5th of March at 6.30. I know I'm expecting the appointment because the GP made a referral. I don't read all that letter and I take it out near my appointment time. My husband said, Hannah, you're meant to have um, phoned or they'll cancel your appointment if they don't hear from you in 10 days if you haven't confirmed. So I, you know what I mean? This stuff happens, people like me all the time. And English mightn't be someone's first language and it can have an impact on them too. Um, do you know? I, I like the analogy. Um, it's, it's a strong with language. With the foreign language. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that makes we'll, we'll stick with that. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes a great deal. Like another thing that you have to do in your, in your work uh, as a pediatric occupational therapist is you have to read and possibly contribute to professional journals. Same thing, same process? 
Yeah, slightly different. So I get people to read the works for me. So I'm really lucky. I use admin support. So, and this is an interesting thing. So in the UK, you have a thing called access to work, which basically means that you get funding outside. It's a form of a benefit that someone can pay for support that doesn't come from your employee. So when I graduated as an, o- as an OT, I had eight hours of admin support a week for my full-time 39-hour week role. And enabled me to do my my job any reports any handwritten referrals um notes all of those things that i'm obliged to do is done that way yeah. but when in in ireland we don't have that exact same system but if i was on disability allowance i would be on maybe ten thousand euro a year it would cost plus maybe I'd, you know my kids trajectory wouldn't be as good maybe because i wouldn't be able to you know it, it would have a knock-on effect I, I might need a medical card but if i if the government would pay 3,000 euro or even 5,000 euro towards an admin support person, that means that that person's then earning too. And I'm earning a much higher income and a much better trajectory, you know, and I'm paying taxes on that. So I think we need to, I would love for us in Ireland to adapt a more inclusive um, way of working because like a lot of, I also, I am a paediatric OT, but I also work a lot with adults who are neurodiverse, especially around trying to get them into employment and support. Yeah. independence and that is something that has a knock-on effect but yeah i have a friend who has a disability and she she often compares it this way she said pj she said it's a lot easier for you to live in a world built for me than for me to live in a world built for you is that a good principle Yeah, I would say there's a thing called universal design, not to get into jargon, but it's the same kind of concept. If we remove all the barriers, then we're not asking someone in a wheelchair to go over a a wall and we're not asking someone, you know, maybe who can walk to like go a big long ramp that takes ages. We are just removing the barriers. So I think a world that's more inclusive, full stop, where we value everyone is the way to go. Design things for people who might not be able to use them in a standard way. The book... The book is like a series of stories of how you've overcome certain hurdles. Why, why did you want to write it? Um, I was kept being asked would I write a book. I kept being asked would I tell my stories. And I think the impact of the book is seeing everyday thing. It's like a case study. It goes from early childhood up. And it shows how, a dis- how the disability, the age, the roles or the things a child is doing at that stage impacts um, when society or systems um, allow it to, you know, a person to thrive or stop a person from entering the system. And I thought it was a really clear statement. I'm not trying to lecture, and I know I'm probably lecturing now on, on the radio, but in the book, enough. I don't lecture. I just, okay, in the book, I don't lecture. I just say it as it is, and I illustrate, you know, a real, I'm a real person, and these are the real things that happen, and these are the times when people came and connection was made. Mm. And when people make connections, that's when I succeeded and that's when things, you know, were brilliant. Um, and I think we're losing that in society today. But also it just shows that there is other ways of making life easier for people like me. And it's sad and it's funny and it's clear and it's simple. And I also made an audio book, um, which is... So it was, I wouldn't write a book that I couldn't access. So you asked me, I like, I love to listen to audiobooks. So yeah. I can also do that independently. I can get information via audiobooks. Um, but the written book, I made it dyslexic friendly, the font, the size, the way it's done. You can do little bite-sized pieces. Um, and I've been really lucky. The Irish bookshops have jumped on it. And actually, I'm down in Cork and Waterstones next Wednesday, um, the 12th at 6.30. They'll be, mm. I'll be doing a free talk and a book signing. Um, so like, if anybody's about, it'd be lovely 
for you to come. Yeah. Um, but that's the reason I wrote the book is because I want, I think there's a need there. And so far the feedback has been fantastic. Um, some of the SNA uh, courses have put it on a re- reading list even because that is, it's a valuable, valuable um, experience. And I think what's really important is I'm solution focused. I don't know if that came across in the book, but it's trying to constantly find solutions. Yeah. And I don't think that I should have fought and struggled as hard as I did like that has had a massive impact on me and I want to use that in a really positive way to help others. I'm yeah. also a mum, I have four kids, you know. You could be a remarkable teaching person in that you've come through this and got to the point you're at. You, I think, would make a fantastic advisor to maybe the educational system as to how it can adapt. Do you ever think you're going down that road? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, no, but it is something. And, there are, you know, I, I am very much keen to, you know, and, and having conversations with policymakers, um, both around the education and employment, though. Let's like let's look both sides of the, the, you know, you get them through education and then what? Do you know what I mean? People want, as you said, you need to read uh, to work and, and earn and have a sense of belonging and a sense of self-esteem, because a lot of times by the time you get through the education system, your confidence is, is 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 knocked out of you because it doesn't to get to the end you've had to go through a lot of hurdles as the book demonstrates um but equally a lot of people reject the education system because of because of that because because they don't fit in they go actually i'm not going to play the game why would i so there's pros and cons to both i decided to go through the education system and you know i've worked in this field for many years in order to try and make change and bring change that that I think there is scope there massively and it's not going to cost an arm and a leg and it's not going to, this is a a myth that the person with the disability might get an advantage over the non-disabled peers. That's not correct. That's not what anyone's trying to do. What we're just trying to do is, as you said, level the playing field for everyone and maybe remove barriers full stop so there's no special, you know, things needing to be made if it was a more accessible um, system. But no, the book, I think, has its place it's there this is a funny thing so i wouldn't believe this but unless you write something down it generally does things don't change which is funny because i'm as i said i'm not someone who writes things down but the fact i've written a book and it's out there and it's getting massive you know the feedback is thank you for doing this for us um you know i really identified with you in some ways because like you know you were getting your brand wrote your stores or whatever at the same time but then you weren't experiencing all the other struggles so it's 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 a, yeah it is what it is and it's out there now so kevin, um, kevin says yeah. he's blown away by your creativity in finding solutions <laughs> to everyday problems which yeah that's that's one way of, of looking at it the book the book is called knowing no boundaries uh, hannah daily good luck with it uh, say hello to my friend john breen when you're in waterstones next week and uh, c- thank you for being with me on the opinion line hannah daly the author of a book called knowing no boundaries courts 96 fm